Hey everyone, it's Adam here. Before we get this episode started, I wanted to have a little bit of a retraction on a rule that we got wrong in one of our previous episodes. The last time that we did a big spotlight on monsters, we focused on constructs. Specifically, the merit was involved. And we said that when the merit knocks you outside of its threat range, that it would get an opportunity attack. This is not how it works. It says rules as written. You don't provoke an opportunity attack when you teleport, or when someone or something moves you without using your movement, action, or reaction. For example, you don't provoke an opportunity attack if an explosion hurls you out of a foe's reach, or if gravity causes you to fall past an enemy. Therefore, the merit would not get an opportunity attack, it's not going to do that extra round of ridiculous damage, and so, we got that wrong. And we're sorry. I hope you still love us. But, whether or not you love us, we're now going to get right into the regular episode where I think Terry, Megan, and I are talking about Celestials. So, buckle up, because we're about to get into some real holy shit. I'm wondering, guys, in the spirit of Celestials, what crime are you most likely to fall from grace for? We can roll again, if you like. Yeah, let's roll for it. Yeah, sure. Twelve. Twelve. Oh, Oh, we roll roll it off, Terry? Alright. Nine. Three. What crime? Now, do you mean like the seven deadly sins crime, or are we talking like judicial system? Because I'm not incriminating myself on the fucking <laughs> podcast. That's... No, I just meant, what What would you fall from grace for? What do you think you're most likely to fall for? Um, Like the, the one temptation that'll, that'll put me over the top right now? Yeah. Uh, midgets smeared in peanut butter. I thought you said that you weren't going to incriminate yourself. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing criminal about that. I've set them free now. He just really likes peanut butter. He likes it at waist height, so. (laughs) Likes it to be in reach. They're my little bite-sized treats. Very specific. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I can't beat that. I don't know. I (laughs) I just thought I would inevitably, and probably like, Day one of being an angel, just I'd be strutting my stuff, bragging about it, and inevitably make some deal, like I always do, that I'd live to regret. But I'll be happy because I'll get like a Snickers or something, and then I'll just, you know. So, um, I don't know, I think mine would be just making some shady deal, not a shady deal, just a deal that I didn't think through, probably on the first day. Which would be true to It's character. not even Terry Terry, you would you would be day one of an angel and be like, Yeah, look at me, I'm an angel and be like, Pride is a sin. Down you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But nice try. It would be so hard. I know, it would be so hard. I would be able to handle it. Megan, it's you. For me, honestly, in the spirit of quarantine and COVID nineteen, it would probably be just gluttony in general, because um I, I'm just I, the snacks. I can't <laughs> I, if you wave a bag of chips in front of me right now, I'm happy as a clam. So I feel like I wouldn't be able to say no to that right now. So. Yours of, yours oh my God. Snacks. And the booze. Oh, there's so much booze. Yeah, snacks and booze. Like you can tempt me with any of those things right now. And I'd be like, you know what? I don't have to work tomorrow. Hand it over. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't have to run a 5k tomorrow because all that shit's canceled too. So give me that bag of chips. Like <laughs> I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> can I interest you in some peanut butter? <laughs> Only if it comes sans midgets. <laughs> well, we all roll the dice and take what we're given, don't we? That's true. 
<laughs> Snacks and cherry flavored White Claw. That's Megan's downfall. Oh man, the black cherry. Have you guys had the grapefruit one? That just, one is delightful. Yeah, I just had it today. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good actually. No, but right now tonight's drink of choice is a, uh, a nude vodka soda, strawberry kiwi. So. Oh, nice. Ooh, I like the straw. Yeah, I like strawberry kiwi. The iced tea is the worst. We don't talk about the iced tea among us. Yeah. It, okay. It can go into a grave and die forever. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast with your DMs, Adam, Terry, and Megan. Okay, so welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I am Terry and with me are Megan and Adam and today we're talking about Celestials. Guys, were you excited for the episode on Celestials? I was not. So you were not? (laughs) I'm sorry, Megan. (laughs) As a guest of the show that won't leave, why were you not? (laughs) I don't know. I just, they were not something I've really had a lot of um, interaction with as a player. And so I've never really been interested in them in any way, shape or form. So I had to do a lot of reading for this one, and it was very daunting. I was like, I don't know anything, which means I'm starting from scratch. <laughs> so, so that was the only thing. And then I did all of my reading and stuff like that last week. So then I had to redo it again this week mm. because I'm like, my brain did not yeah. maintain that information. So it was more just the, I had to read a lot. And let's be real, I don't have any time on my hands to do that. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's not like celestials and religion to make people read. Ugh. <laughs> I know. Knowledgeable and stuff, right? Adam, were you excited for this? Um, yes and no. I like Celestials because they mix it up in D&D, but I... I don't know, man. D&D Celestials are lackluster. I... And Angel's an angel and is an mm-hmm. angel to me. Like, yeah, there are a couple it... of interesting parts, but... Like, oh, you're either some sort of horse analog, a flying snake, or you're an angel. That's Welcome to Celestials. Yeah, there's a moment where I was trying to actually figure out how to differentiate between the four different ones. And I was just like, they're all the same. There's like maybe one or two different, we'll get into it, but like one or two different things between all of them. But at the end of the day, they're all pretty much doing the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, mechanically, they're they're very, very similar. Yeah, but their goals are pretty much the same. So (laughs) they just just do whatever they're told. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, it's lawful stupid, right? Like it's not even lawful good. It's just lawful stupid. This is the way that we always do it, and here we go to always do it this way. I literally wrote uh, beside some of my notes, "lawful stupid." (laughs) That's actually what I wrote in quotations. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, well, let's go to it then. It kind of, I guess, everything we're talking about here begs the question of of what is a celestial. So, what is a celestial? So. By their by their monster manual, celestials are creatures native to the upper planes. Many of them are servants of deities, employed as messengers or agents in the mortal realm and throughout the planes. Celestials are good by nature, so the there there is the odd exceptional celestial who will stray from good alignment for it's considered to be a horrifying rarity and it and it will will be linked to their god changing their alignment. Uh, but celestials themselves will include angels. Uh, Pegasi, Unicorns, and Kuatels. Did I say that right? Kuatels? I always call them Kuatels. Oh, I Kua- thought it was Kulots. Like the How is it Kulot? <laughs> How is it Kulot? It's not even close. That's not even the right letters, and even if it was, they'd be in the wrong order. 
I feel like we should have had Dan and or Brad on this episode just just for the, the yeah. I feel bad taking goodness. Dan's place on this one. I feel like he would have really enjoyed this one. Don't feel bad. <laughs> don't feel bad. Don't feel because if he'd have gone bad. off about this, it's I I love Dan, but I'd have been like I, muting my microphone, pacing the room, like Jesus, hurry up. Yeah, I feel like he's going to record his own answers when he's editing this and just put them in there. <laughs> just put them in there. <laughs> Wait, I could do that. <laughs> oh, this episode's gonna be great. Um, it's Kuwaddle or Quaddle. Well, okay, all right. Hold on a sec. Hold on. One of the things that I really like about I'm gonna I'm gonna pipe up on on Dan's behalf on this because I know he and I have spoken about this in the past. Gee, thanks, Adam. One of the things that I really like about the like traditional. Um, like biblical level of angels is that they're fucking weird and if you go look in uh, strongholds and followers uh matt coville's book they're fucking weird in there too they're all like prisms with giant floating eyes and ten thousand wings and this one's got the mouth of an of an infant and the the head of a snake and like they're all just bizarre angels are not hot dudes with feathery white wings they're not traditionally speaking no <laughs> well then what are we doing no, here <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> but i i like the idea of the of the non-traditional angel even the ones that are available in ravnica which are they've got so much more flavor and so much more fun we should cover them in a future episode as well because they're like angels of death angel of war and they're they've got they're not just generic yeah. The ones that we got today, like we picked the the four big high um, celestials. They're these guys. You're right, Megan. They're the same flavor, yeah. over and over and over again. <laughs> and that's it for the episode. Celestials, same yep. thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, you have to. You have to. You have to dig deep and look closely to the subtleties of the differences between them. Yeah. And I'm sure that we'll run across them as we keep talking. Yeah. But, yeah, at first glance, these are very similar to each other. Yeah. And uh, Megan was touching on, on just a minute ago about, you know, how you don't see them very often. So, you know, how common are they? There's only seven in the Monster Manual. There's one in Volos. There's more in Avernus, Eberron, Ravnica, and the other modules. But compared to the other, you know, monster types, there isn't that many of them, to be honest. Um, generally going to be found in the upper plains, prime material plane, and and in the front lines of the war against evil. Um, what do you guys think about how few celestial choices there are? I I feel like it makes sense, but I do feel like because there's so few to select from, they yeah. should be a little bit more vastly different. Right, um, right. Like I understand that they almost wanted to give them roles and responsibilities within like the celestial hierarchy is what it seems like. Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of like that almost sounds like it's the same angel. You're just doing like the baby, like the teenager, like, you know, like how you would evolve any other monster. But you're trying to put it in different words for different types, if that makes sense. I don't know if that made sense. What I just said. Yeah, I, it does. I would like to see some some lower level angels as well, kind of like we have with fiends and that there's different, you know, uh, strengths and levels of, of devils and demons. I would kind of like to see that with angels. I, I would, because then maybe you would get a visit from them more often if a lower level, you know, angel came about instead of just like a deva or something, which is just going to wreck everything in its path. Um, it may mean just adjusting some stat blocks of like acolytes or something, but I think that could work as well. Yeah. Well, there are all sorts of different kinds of angels that are available if you look it up in like popular. I don't want to say lore. I don't want to insult anybody listening to the podcast, but you know, in in the popular stories, I guess there's everything from cherubs to nephilims to like there's all sorts of things that, that that's there, and and we get we get 
these guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. This is this is it. I mean, I like I like the Solar. It's probably my favorite one. But the other ones are just, I mean, and this guy's blue for no reason, I, right? Like, I, I literally wrote a question mark beside that one being like, why? Like, give me a reason why. Why is this person's skin this color, right? Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> Tell me about I, its I, environment, I, right? Like, why? I, I, think it's, I think it's a holdover from previous editions where there were a variety of different Celestials. But I feel like these guys aren't even monsters you're supposed to fight. Sure, we get the, the stat block for them. But you're right, Terry. Look at how many fiends there are. Yeah. There is a there is a devil and a demon at every CR level between the three main books. And between the three main books here, we get eight total. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's it's crazy how, how under-supported the upper planes are compared to the lower planes. Yeah. Because I feel like pe- people go in there, get their harp or their halo or their fiery sword, and then leave. It's a fetch quest. There's, you're not fighting angels. Which is a shame. I think there's a also, lot of fun to be had with that. Like, weird question, just because you are talking about fiends and, like, demons and, you know, this, whatever hells. Um, is there ever any speak about them having the ability for ascension or doing good to the point where they become an angel? Whereas it's so dominant in the good side of things that these angels have the opportunity in their lives to become fallen angels and fall off the tracks. Like, is there anywhere in the fiends that they can actually go upwards? D&D does not support changing station for any sort of creature except devils and demons getting promotions. Uh, well, devils getting promotions, demons can get promotions or get um, get like new evolutions depending on, on what, their, what their actions are. Um, but it's based from other higher devils and demons. They get a power up. Yeah. And that's it. They become the new kind. There's no, there's not even lore supporting fo- uh, Fallen Angel, right? Yeah. I, in the Eberron book, there's actually a Celestial that's a Fallen Angel that's missing its wings. Yeah. And the the art looks badass. But, like, this, yeah, the stuff exists kind of here and there, but it doesn't talk about, you're right, Megan, there's no ascension whatsoever. Yeah, and I just feel and like it's weird that it, it's so one-sided, that humans are so innate to the nature of we're going to do everything wrong, therefore we are going to lose our stature, versus looking at the underdog that might actually change its ways to the side of good. Like, I just feel like it's so unweighted. I would like to see proper possession rules for both Celestials and and all the Fiends mm. so that they can inhabit people. And and I want I want possession rules. I want uh, stations where they can go up and down. I want banishment rules. You've, you're, you're not a fallen angel, but you've been banished to the Primaterial Plane for a certain amount of time i want i want ranks in their armies like god damn there's just there's not enough here that's what i want next yeah yeah well what about which which tiers which tiers would you expect to find them in i mean the idea that you would find them in all tiers i suppose is correct but they're they're typically well they are they're very powerful um mostly um so does that mean you're still expected to see them in lower tiers at what point are they going to interfere with the party what do you think about where we should find them i don't know i like to drop them as high powered uh creatures that you cannot fight early on and that you build up to you know their guides or their their helpers or they're laying down the law and forcing the party to follow rules or they will fucking smite you and then eventually you can get powerful enough to deal with this i think that's a really good use for some celestials but all the stuff at low level is all of your animal-based ones. Your Pegasus, Unicorn, yeah. 
your uh, Kyrin, all all of that stuff. And then, I mean, what what is it? The the Deva's the lowest CR ten, the lowest humanoid one, right? I I don't. Yeah, I feel like at low level, the only reason you'd ever see them is for your fetch quests or your you're just being told or you're guided in a certain direction. Like you wouldn't fight these at a low level of any kind. I mean, unless you're an idiot, which does happen on a regular basis. <laughs> but I feel like there's some of these angels that if you ran into them in the wild, it wasn't a mistake, right? Like it was on purpose. They knew you were going to be there. Mm-hmm. They're there to see you and you fucked up. So, <laughs> right? Like that's how I kind of see them is like, if you see them, it's because you did something really wrong you, and it's, uh, you can use them as a DM control tool. Right? You've done something really, really wrong as well. If the angels are getting involved because of the, the whole free will thing, they're, they're, they're not just going to interfere because, you know, an orc band has come and, you know, murdered everybody in their village. They've got bigger fish to fish to fry than that. It, it's got to be something serious. Maybe a genocide might start getting celestials to come and interfere with what you're doing. But the fact is that they're they're so powerful and they're on such a cosmic level, they're not going to interfere with everyday stuff. Well, mostly because then what would be the point in Dungeons & Dragons if every time there's a problem an angel shows up? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point as well, right? These guys do reek of Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. Especially because most of them come with some sort of healing ability as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Well, what we'll do, guys, is we'll cut to a commercial here and then afterwards we'll start to go through some of the Celestials that we've chosen for the episode. Hello Internet, it's Terry here. I'm listening to the special series on Eberron that Dave is running and it's completely fantastic. I like how he's doing a deep dive on all the crazy unique parts of the world and he's really giving a tour of all the weird places and strange mentalities in the high adventure steampunk setting. What I like about steampunk is it's as though we've gone back to the industrial revolution, the Victorian period, but it's like in the real world we've discovered things in a different order. So now we have this high fantasy, incredible, fantastical look at the world but something seems so mundane, so it's like the world has been twisted into a strange and unique order. If steampunk and dinosaurs and pulp adventures interest you, but you know nothing about Eberron, or even if you're looking to start a campaign there, check out the series on iTunes, Spotify and more, and don't forget to set up your subscriptions and auto-downloads. Okay, back to the show. Alright, so bringing it on to topic two then, let's do our monster breakdown. And it's right about here that Terry starts to mess up the intro into Topic 2. Now, that's okay, we're human, but he asks me to take it out, and I thought, since we've already established that I'm allowed to talk during the recording process and add that in, that I would just cover it instead of taking it out for the laughs. So, Dan. One second, Adam. Um, what I'm going to do is I want you guys to listen to some of the killer jokes like this one. Dan, don't leave that in. Is that the name of your sex tape? Hold on. Dan, don't leave it in? Yes. Yes, that's the name of my sex tape. I knew it. And then we'll get back to it. Thanks, Terry. Coming on to topic two, let's go through our monster breakdowns. Each of us has a celestial. I have two that we'd like to talk about, but we'll roll initiative and we'll get it going from there. Let's go. I got four. I'm not doing oh, well. I got a natural 20. Oh, baby. Four. I am so happy. You know, do you guys have any idea how long it's been several to nat 20 in this show? <laughs> Fuck. You rolled one last time we were on. Did I? Yes. Oh, I'm glad that you knew because I didn't. <laughs> it feels like it's been a while. And by last time, I mean the last time I recorded an episode with you guys, and I don't know how long ago that is at this point. So. Okay, Adam, you're going first. All right, so I'm going to start with the, the, the big papa of, of them all, the... CR 23. I chose the Empyrean. And the Empyrean is um 
these guys are not your typical angels. These are not souls that have come up and, and are living in the in the upper plains now. These guys are literally the children of gods in the upper plains. They are incredibly uh, handsome and good-looking. They're self-assured and confident in everything that, that they do. But one, my favorite thing about them is that they come with the built-in regional effect, even though it's not written in as such, like you would see with a dragon. They have the ability to manifest their emotions, um, and I don't think that they can control it when they're dealing with the, with intense emotions. The weather changes around them. There are... Uh, and it's not just weather. Like, like flowers will bloom when they're happy, and, and plants will wilt when they're sad, and the animals will be more vicious when they're angry. They affect the environment wherever they go based on their mood. They're like a they're, they're like a teenager that's moping, right? And they just drag everyone else in the room down. Um, there are some that that are evil, um, but uh, and like it says by the number that it, you're they're either chaotic good or they're like seventy five percent chaotic good or twenty five percent neutral evil. So these ones are the ones that fall. It's rare, but it has happened. And if they're evil, they can't survive for very long in the upper planes anymore. And they head down to the material plane. And from there, they tend to be rulers. They'll become leaders of mortals and um, usually some sort of tyrant. And that's uh, I feel like we need to have that represented in the Forgotten Realm somewhere. Well, there's just the kingdom over there that's run by an Empyrean. And the people are like subjugated and... and there and this guy is he's the big bad but his people aren't and so like when you're fighting his armies they're apologizing as they stab you to death but but they, they don't have a choice but um it, they're usually corrupted when they fall or they've been cursed by evil gods like and it's been done on purpose they're not necessarily tempted it's something that happens directly to them it's not something they do to themselves now they don't age but they can be killed. And most of them don't understand that they that they can die. Like logically they will understand it, but emotionally they will they just can't acknowledge it at all. Which means that they fight and they fight and they fight as hard as they can and they never back down from anything. And if they do die, they can be resurrected by their their parents, the gods that birthed them up in the upper plains, and they almost always will unless they're given a solid reason not to. Like I love the idea of the parents sitting there and being like, well, this is the second time it's happened. Do we do it again? Like, or does, do we just, is this his final lesson? Like, I don't like, we, we did it once before. Are we doing it again? Like, honestly, like, <laughs> well, that'd be really cool because we're talking CR 23 with these guys, right? So this is tier four. Can yeah. you imagine your guys killing an, an Empyrean? Like your party kills an Empyrean and then a God shows up. Just bang. The, the moment that the Empyrean dies, the god shows up and says, look, I can bring them back and it's going to wipe the slate clean, but this is the second time that they've fallen recently. Like within the last 10,000 years. That's recent to me. And I really want them back, but is it a good idea? And then you, you give the party the opportunity to weigh in. Mm. Like you were the ones that had to deal with them. You were the ones that had to kill them. You were the ones that saw that they that he had fallen. He is he is now redeemed. He has been punished. He will come back clean. Is it worth the risk again? 
I think that that's a neat tier four dilemma. Oh, absolutely. Because like your alliances will be all over the place by that time, right? No one yeah. knows who or what they are at that time. I feel like it would almost cause an argument in your group, right? It's going to be that paladin versus the rogue, right? The classic. <laughs> <laughs> like, we can't let him die. Like, bring him back. Give him redemption. And the rogue um, is like, I'm sorry. Are you stupid? Are you stupid? <laughs> like, <laughs> we just killed him because he's a nightmare. There was no benefit to bringing him back whatsoever. Yeah. He killed Jasmine. He's, Jasmine's dead. Are they going to bring that girl back because they're going to bring this guy back? Like... <laughs> You've crossed the line if you kill Jasmine in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the warlock is over in the corner raising him up anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just in the corner, just silently. Uh, okay, let me let me jump into the stats, okay? These guys are huge. Um, again, it, they're a titan, and a titan just means that they are created by gods. Um, their AC is 22. They've got a metric butt-ton of hit points, which is not surprising. They can fly, swim, and walk at 50 feet around. Uh, their strength and con are both sitting at 30. Their charisma is at 27. But their other three stats are above 20 as well. They've got crazy saving throws for strength, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, which really stacks. That makes sense to me. Their skills are insight plus 13 and persuasion plus 15, which means this feels to me like a social encounter right now. Right? And the idea that you're going to hit them and they're just going to take it and shrug it off and keep talking. Their, their only damage immunities are their standard bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons. I feel like everything at this level has that, so they don't have anything unique with that. But they got true sight to 120 feet and a passive perception of 16, so they know you're there. And again, they can speak every language, so I, I can feel social to me. This doesn't really feel... And you're going to see, they don't pack a punch like other creatures at CR23. Now, they have innate spellcasting, but it's Greater Restoration, Pass of the Trace, Water Breathing, Water Walk. Is there also a water theme to these guys? Like, am I, am I getting that as well? Because there's nothing here that says water except yeah. these spells. And they can, they've got a swim speed, which is odd. That comes down to my one complaint. Tell me why they have these abilities. Like, I don't really understand. There's no reason why this one should have such a theme of water abilities. Other than maybe they do fall, like are are the child of a god that is of water, but it's not stated anywhere that that's what it's supposed to be. So what's I think, the purpose? I think that it's it's because they were. I think it's because they were um, it, they were originally called titans back in earlier editions. They were not called Empyreans. They were called Titan. Titan wasn't a class of monster. It was a creature, and it was this guy. And as a titan, he represented the Greek titans. Um, which were very, um, I don't know, connected to the elements. They weren't necessarily el elemental creatures, but they were definitely created and, and connected, you know, of and to the elements in some way. And so I feel like this is, this is, I don't know, like a holdover, I guess. I feel like he's here because people would complain if he wasn't. Also, he also has the ability to cast commune. Which is, I think, good. I mean, he's got to talk to his parents. You know, call your mom once a day. That's good for you. Uh, he can, you can dispel evil and good. He can cast earthquake, firestorm, and plane shift, but only for himself as well, once a day. He's got legendary resistances. Um, he is a legendary creature, so he's got uh, magic resistance, which means he has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magic effects. Again, I feel like everything at this level does. 
And his weapon attacks are magical, which means they're going to bypass that that damage immunity um, that others do. By the way, that was an immunity, not a resistance earlier. The bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing, he just shrugs that shit off. You can shoot him with an arrow and it will bounce. So for actions, he's got a melee attack, um, but if you got to make a relatively difficult con save or be stunned until the end of the Empyrean's next turn, um, he also can uh, do a ranged spell attack, which is Bolt, which you target one creature within 600 feet. You do 76 damage of your choice as a Dungeon Master, Acid, Cold, Fire, Force, Lightning, Radiant, or Thunder. Which means, again, to me, this feels like Titans of old. It, right? it also ties into the fact that like their existence changes the nature around them. Now that you're saying all of those things at the same time, that kind of rang in my brain, where I'm like, wait, these are the ones where their emotions kind of control their environment, so it makes sense that they would have so many different elemental abilities. Yeah. Yeah. It, it also... The other thing that's interesting to point out is that this guy, I say he's not, he doesn't hit as hard. Now, that's a 600-foot range. You're hitting people with lightning bolts from the from three maps away, right? But <laughs> Let me get my rolling map out, guys. Let me just... Yeah. <laughs> but you'll notice there's no multi-attack with this guy. This is, I think, the only, like, the only creature I've seen above challenge rating 20 that does not have multi-attack. Now, he does get legendary actions, and the first one, of course, is he gets to make one attack. That's pretty standard as well. He also can use one of the legendary actions to bolster. This is this is why I say he feels like an ally in a social encounter, because he can bolster all non-hostile creatures within 120 feet until the end of the Empyrean's next turn. What it means when you're bolstered is that you can't be charmed or frightened, and you get advantage on ability checks and saving throws until the end of the Empyrean's the Empyrean's next turn. So, like, he's really inspiring the troops with this. This is just a better version of the Bard's inspiration, right? And then you can also spend two actions for Trembling Spike, where, uh, or sorry, Trembling Strike, where the Empyrean strikes the ground with its maul, triggering an Earth Tremor, and all creatures on the ground within 60 feet have to make a ridiculous strength save or be knocked prone. Which, again... You're not doing damage with it. You're just knocking people down. Which means that I feel like this guy walks into the group and swings the mall and hits the ground and says stop and everyone stops and that he talks it out. And he's mad when he does it so the, the skies are thundering and lightning and I don't know. Like this doesn't feel like a battle to me. This doesn't even feel like a boss battle. For CR23 it should be. Right? Yeah, I feel like it's like an environmentally controlled hard conversation is what this one sounds like. Because I feel like even though he doesn't have his multi-attack and all those things, if he hits you, he's going to hit hard. Right? So it's almost like if you do get slapped by this guy, it's because you went, you crossed the line. Right? It's not because you just walked up to him to have a conversation and you looked at him the wrong way. It's because you are legitimately doing something in error. Right? He, yeah, and he's not even hitting you that hard. 66 plus 10. He's got a range of 10 feet, but it's 66 plus 10, and it stuns you. That's the thing that makes it noteworthy, is he's stopping you. This guy is a great big pause button. He's like the backhanded backslap. Like, stop. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, I don't know. Do, do you guys have any thoughts about about this? Anything standing out to you about... It feels like, you know, for me, do, and 
kind of an indication of the of the climate of how the campaign's going or how the party are being judged. So it's like when they come across this person, if there's great f- this you know um, Imperium, if there's great like firestorms and stuff in the sky, that's not a very good sign. Um, and you're right, it seems like it's going to be more of a social encounter. But it seems like this creature seems like a medium to speak to the gods. So you you know it's going to be tier four when you're interacting with with this creature most likely. Um, but I agree with the social encounter side. But this is not social encounter like you're talking to the bartender. This is like you're talking straight to the divine. Um, so it's for me. I kind of see it of an, an indication of the the climate of the story arc. Yes, this feels like a storyteller's tool yeah. more than it does a creature to battle. Yeah. Right. I you know I you know I picture him sitting on a throne at a, like a coastal kingdom, right? Hence all the water stuff and all the elements. Like you're gonna get to play with the elements if you're in a coastal town, right? Um, but. But I, I, I'm using this guy to be a benefactor, maybe even a, a warlock patron, up until tier three, and then my ancient red dragon's going to murder him and throw the campaign on its ass. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, what would you use this guy for? Um, honestly, like when I first started reading about these guys, like the first thing that came to my head was like Disney princess, and <laughs> you know, like I'm imagining this big ogre titan, but like has like birds landing on his shoulder. Like when he's calm and like a deer following him around everywhere. Like it just seems like the calm in a storm until you <laughs> piss it off. So I'm almost imagining like this angel just happens to be in someone's town or whatever. Like their punishment is that they have to take care of a farming village to learn, you know, humility maybe from his parents. And so he like lives in this farm town and like your adventurers catch wind of it being there. And you can tell that like his presence is altering and changing the mood and the aura of the town so they know when he's having a bad day or a good day and like he's had like a string of multiple weeks of bad days so they're like can you like go talk to him and maybe give him a hand because our crops need some sunlight and we don't know how to talk to him so (laughs) but then when you meet him like you're imagining this big scary thing that you're going to go meet because you hear these like you hear stories of these titans these gods these scary beings and all of a sudden you walk into this castle that's well lit and just beautiful well organized like and then there's just birds sitting on their shoulder while they're talking to you like that's just what i imagine in my head i like this <laughs> encounter as being almost like combat but it it, it, it is the puzzle you know is is trying to get this uh the creature's mood to go a certain way and you can imagine the party kind of interacting how they do the rogue and the warlock sort of mouthing off a bit the paladin trying to do and it's like the birds and stuff and the deer like you say but then all of a sudden like the clouds start to roll and it's like don't say that go back to the other thing go back to the other thing then they kind of go away again (laughs) yeah take it back take it back (laughs) totally wrong (laughs) then his hair sets on fire like hades and hercules (laughs) yeah i i don't know i like these guys uh, to a point they're a useful tool i can't i can't see that you're gonna run into probably more than one of these guys in a campaign like even if i were to play multiple campaigns i'm gonna drop an empyrean once every five years just because a, they're so powerful, they should be rare. B, they're the children of gods, they should be rare. And C, what the fuck am I going to do with them? Right? Like, I hit that one note and I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm not getting too many creative thoughts right now for those guys. Hmm. All right. Okay. Well, uh, any last thoughts, Adam? Anything else you want to throw in there before we move on to the next one? What's interesting to me is that when these guys fall, they fall to the material plane. 
they they go to the prime material. They don't go down to the lower planes. You are not going to see these Empyreans walking around, eyes glowing red, shooting fire from their hands, right? These are almost like, you remember in the first Thor movie when he just got sent down to Earth to learn a goddamn lesson? I feel like that's what's happening. Do you think that these guys just get bitch slapped by their parents down to the prime material plane to learn, to get better, and to rise back up? And just some of them never do. Like, like grounded, go to go to your room, but your room is in yeah. Faerun. Oh, right. Well, who rolled next, anyway? Was it me? I, I did. You, you rolled, rolled like a sad list. little four, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think it was a sad little four with my roll-off against Adam, though, for first place. No, it's okay. I, I have the, the four is still in view, so you can take it, Megan. All right. We might as well go in reverse tier order, then, cause, and I'll go next, because that makes sense to me. All right, so I'm going to talk about Solars. Solar? Solar. <laughs> I always call them Solars, like it's a, I, I don't know, I don't know. Like the Solars, I like, guess. Like the sun, shall I'm, we say? I'm, yeah, I'm lazy, so I, I just guess. say Solar. There you go. Well, I mean, with your accent, it kind of covers up the whole word, so that's fine. Well, you um, know, also, like, Polar. It's a Solar. Emphasis on the so. And back to the episode. Um. So these are the guys that basically... They are one of the more powerful of the angels of all of these, if you think about them, except for uh, when you think about their strength and their abilities. Um, and some kind of, they're always described as, of course, godlike, even in look, as well as just general presence. Um, so these are the ones that, if you were to run into them, they're your classic. They look human-like. They're muscular. They're beautiful. They have that deep, commanding voice. They glow. They're made of copper, silver, gold. They're metallic. Like, they just, they breathe and speak basically paladin but of the angel world i like how i continuously get like the paladin style topics i think there's a theme happening here well there wasn't, was there wasn't there wasn't <laughs> also in the, uh, in the monster manual this guy looks like the hercules from the 90s tv show right yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out to that all right but well, hold on no he looks like matt mercer went to the gym for the last four years maybe that's what he's doing in quarantine you never know we'll, <laughs> we'll find out in a few months i guess <laughs> but yeah so these guys are the guys you don't want to kind of fuck with when you see one because you will notice that it has a giant sword at a side and a bow as well so they are armored and they're weaponed right so they're kind of yeah but he's wearing a dress how tough can he be <laughs> <laughs> a white and gold dress are you kidding in this season get it together <laughs> um, but no matter what a man who is nine feet tall and 500 pounds would probably scare the shit out of you even if they were wearing a white dress i will say that right now it's a battle tunic. Maybe especially because he's wearing a white dress. That would that you you have a nine foot tall, five hundred pound man in a wedding dress come at you. You're gonna run. Yeah, that's true. I would. I would anyway. I'd, well, no, I'd run to him. I'd be like, please take me in your arms, thanks. Um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, these ones technically you probably would not run into in the streets. Um, they do reside very primarily in the upper plains. However, they do have that ability to travel between any plane of existence but only when directed to. So these are the ones that really, really stay true and follow to what their gods want them to do, and they don't really break face ever. So the only reason why you would see one is if they were sent to you for a reason. Um, so I would say that seeing one of these would be a very rare occurrence in comparison to some of the other ones that are more messengers or quest fetchers or what have you. Um... These guys are usually called upon to, like, lead armies of angels against battles of fiends um, or missions of great importance that are deemed by the gods. Um, so, again, if you see one of these, it's because you fucked up 
or something is going on and you're needed for some kind of higher purpose. These guys are the guys that if they aren't called to duty, they actually just basically monk it out and stay in restful contemplation until they're called again. They don't really do anything in their downtime. They just sit there and wait for instruction, basically, which I think is very interesting. So again, these guys are the guys of purpose. They're not going to just go out there for the heck of it. Um, These guys are, they also don't die of old age, similar to um, the Titan ones. They don't age and they don't die. Um, However, they can be killed, except they can only 100% die if they are slain in their home plane. So that's pretty standard with with anything that's alignment based, like uh, from other planes, demons and devils and all fiends are the same way. Yeah. You kill them in the prime material plane, they're they're coming back. Yeah. And these ones are very specific to say that um, if they are destroyed elsewhere, it takes up to 70 years for them to appear back. So there Hmm. is like a time frame. Um, I did read that one in just like some of my side readings, not necessarily in any official book. So I'm sure the timeline can be spliced however you feel like doing it as a DM at this point. But it was a very common theme that it was a long period of time. It takes them to reappear. I just um, want to say, just real quick, having played a war cleric, the, the t- attempted role in divine intervention so many times and got nothing back from the gods, just knowing that the solar angels just sit and do nothing until they're called upon... <laughs> It's fucking annoying, to be honest. Well, well, okay, hold on, though. To be fair, in their defense here, there are only 24 of them, yes. according to, to rumor, right? So, you know, they're busy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's more than 24 wars going on that they have to lead, right? There's, you know, they can't worry about one tiny little ASMR angel on the one Earth plane that's just having a bad day, right? Yeah, so. I mean, and when are these guys going to do their grocery shopping and get the laundry done too, right? They can't be answering prayers all of the time. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's, a, it's a white dress. They bleach that shit. They take the time. And you, have you ever had a set of molting wings? It sucks. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then same common theme with these guys here about their aging and their dying is they don't need to eat, drink, or sleep. They're just kind of in existence. So that's pretty dope about them too. Um... Other than that, that's pretty much their kind of base, you know, environment and description of where you would see them, where you would find them. You know, Megan, uh, by by rules is written that eat, sleep, and drink thing is not. I is that actually in um in the monster manual? Um, that one I don't think is specifically in the monster manual for fifth edition. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm sorry, you're absolutely right. It's there at the very bottom of the angel section. It's not with Solar. Yes, it's in the angels. Main. So I think all of them have yeah. that ability. You didn't know yeah. that, Megan. Yeah. There, no, it says it like that's the last sentence. You only agreed with Adam when he said it. Okay. Fine. Well, I'm agreeing with him that I've read it before, not okay. that I remembered it was there. <laughs> Terry. You're agreeing. You're agreeing that he knows it, but that's fine. <laughs> it's written in my notes, therefore it exists somewhere. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, Megan, can you write down that I'm nice? Yes, absolutely. Thank, thank you. <laughs> Terry is a jackass. <laughs> uh, it's written down in Megan's notes. It's got to be true. That's, yeah, not, that's not even the worst thing I've been called today. So that's. Funny. I'm being nice for the audience. Is what I'm doing. So all right. So these guys here, they are quite heavily armored. So their armor class is 21, and it's of their natural armor. So I can't even imagine if they were wearing something celestial. Uh, that would just bump it up that much further. Um, their general speed is 50 feet, as well as fly speed of 150. So these guys are quite quick on their feet, as well as in the air. Um, something to note about these guys is I think they actually have the highest hit points out of all of them as well. If I'm just looking to double check. 
No, the Empyrean has more. Empyrean well, what's is interesting is that the 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 Empyrean only has uh, one more to the armor class and is not nearly as quick flying. I feel like the Empyrean, like a Titan, the old Titans just stomp its way across the ground. <laughs> their their movement speed is because of their long stride because they're huge, cre- yeah. huge creatures. Solars are just fucking fast. Yeah, I feel like these are your quick on their feet kind of guys. So, love it. Yeah. Um, their main power points are going to be their strength, con, and charisma. Um, so it's a 26 in strength, 26 in con, and 30 in charisma. So again, a very charisma-heavy based character. So again, really bleeds into the fact that you probably will talk to this before you fight it. And then followed by but its intelligence, all... dex, and wisdom. I was just going to say, all the stats are stupid high, though. And yeah. as a matter of fact, they may have a higher total than the Empyrean. Or it's close to, anyway. Yeah. I haven't done that math. I couldn't tell you. No, but but I'm... I'm... It's interesting to me that this thing is is two levels lower by CR. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead for a sec. But it can do so much more shit. As Megan is listing everything, everybody listen to all of the crazy stuff that it can do that the Empyrean fucking couldn't. Yeah. No, these guys have a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And with the exception of the increased uh, hit points, they don't really have anything additional that the the, the Solar doesn't right but i still think that that speaks to the fact that i feel solars are built for battle like these are the ones that you are putting into wars whereas the titans and you know i don't think they're the ones that you would put front facing in a battle because of their calm nature right that's how i imagine it anyways so they're not necessarily need to be beefed up the way that a solar is but yeah um so for them saving throws are intelligence wisdom and charisma um skills uh in perception for a plus 14 which is pretty cool um it's honestly is that high i don't feel like that's very high for what this is it seems low yeah but it does have other abilities to help it in that area which we'll get to in a bit here um damage resistances are radiant uh bludgeoning piercing and slashing from non-magical items um so same thing kind of as most of these creatures uh, damage immunities are necrotic and poison similar to like that of a paladin is kind of how i see it as well um, condition immunities are charmed, exhaustion, uh, frightened, and poisoned. Exhaustion, I think, is pretty awesome, thinking that these guys are going to be in battles and in wars. Like, they will never stop. I hadn't put that together, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, for their senses, they have true sight for 120 feet. Passive perception is 24. Um, so that kind of helps in the fact that their skill perception is only plus 14. Uh, languages, of course, all telepathy for 120 feet. And then, of course, their CR is 21, so just below. Um but then, of course, higher than your Deva and your Planetar. But yeah, um, their abilities, oh, sorry, their angelic weapons. So these guys have the solar weapons attacks are magical. Uh, when the solar hits with any weapon, the weapon deals an extra 68 radiant damage. So again, these guys are built for battle, and they're battle of the radiant and good side. Um, divine awareness, the solar knows if it's it hears a lie. So again, that kind of negates its perception. It, it knows if you're lying to it. You can't really trick one of these I guys. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Because that's really cool. The, the amount of times I try to lie my way through bullshit in D&D, and uh, I know a lot of people do, I would, I would just love it if they can see through the lie. That's, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And I can imagine these guys playing into it. Right? Yeah. They know you're lying, but they're going to let you think that you've gotten away with it for as long as they can before they actually call you out on it. Or they give you a chance to redeem yourself, but yeah, they don't they say, reveal whether or not they As their eyes go white. <laughs> yeah, are, are you sure that's what you want to go with? Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I feel like as a player, you have to ask, is that the DM talking or is, or is that the, the solar? <laughs> exactly. Right. Especially if whatever, what kind of DM you are and you're not using any voices, it would be very hard to tell if this was just a DM mm -hmm. moment or an actual character moment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, innate spellcasting. So the solar spellcasting ability is charisma. Uh, spell save is a DC 25. And it can innately cast um, some really cool spells, some that are normal, but I feel like this does give a little bit more of a character. So they have the Detect Evil and Good and Invisibility. Um, three times per day, they can use Blade Barrier, Dispel Evil and Good, and Resurrection, which is, I think, neat for an angel to have. I guess that's one of those, like, a boon it can grant you at some point, uh, an ability to bring you back to life or resurrect you, or if you have a character death, but they have a higher purpose, this is an angel you can send down to bring them back. Um, and then one day each commune and control weather. So I feel like these guys have elemental control of some kind. Most of them do, but, but yeah. Uh, magic resistance. The solar has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. But yeah, so those are its general aura capabilities. Do you guys have any thoughts on those or can I go into its other abilities? <laughs> it can at will turn invisible. Yeah. So not only does it know if you're lying, it can just sit there with its all languages, its telepathy, and its its incredible intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Perception, its passive perception is 24. Its true sight is 120 feet, and it knows if you're lying, and it can be invisible. With the decks of of plus six, because um, you have a 22 in decks, this guy's gonna sneak around all the time, and he flies 150 feet. If I know for a fact that these guys are existing, I'm just going to behave in real life all of the time. Because if this thing exists at all, chances are good he's probably watching me. I'm only going to hang out in rooms that are smaller than nine feet tall. I kind of see this guy as like... Uh, <laughs> I kind of see this guy as like an extreme Judge Dread type character. I can imagine that level 20 paladin wherever it dies and he gets to you know become a solar or something. But... You know the original Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone where he's just going through and he's just dishing out punishments and sentences to people as he goes? This is how I kind of see this as the Solar doing through the battlefield and, you know, giving people so much time and eternity and hell and all sorts of things for whatever they're doing to them. And I feel like lying to them would count as that. Even part of the story arc, you get a sentence put upon you because you lied to the Solar. And then, you know, it's a little side quest, a little part of your story arc is, is redemption from that. Yeah. And now now I like the idea of him carrying around like a branding iron. Yeah. And he marks you depending on what your sin is. That that's and that's his base punishment. You lied to me. And he just brands the word liar across your cheek. Oh my god. And moves on. I feel like this is the Santa Claus of the children of whatever plane that they've ever existed on. Um that the parents just tell kids stories about the solars because if they lie, they're going to get branded and maybe stolen or punished by this scary angel thing. And it's following them around all the time. Like, <laughs> like this make this makes you run in fear, right? Yeah. I love it. I also imagine it being like your, your party goes into a town that believes in solars because they've had a visit at some point, like centuries previous and you hear stories of these solars, and then like 30 episodes down the road, you find out you've had one following you since episode one. <laughs> like in just an invisible yeah. way, but they've been watching you the whole time, kind of like our, you know, what we chatted about earlier about being watched your entire life. <laughs> See, me as, a, me as a DM, I would let the cleric know and say, don't tell anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so every time you'd be like, oh, you know, Malachi, my invisible friend, it's following us. And you could hear the rogue and the warlock making fun of him. 
And then it's revealed that, you know, remember that time that you said this about me? <laughs> and, and just watch the rogue shit his pants. Because the rogue's level eight. Right? Like, fuck. Oh, this, this is good times. All right. Well, these guys are fighters. We talked about how these are the ones that you kind of put into war. So they have a lot of attacking capabilities. So for actions, they do have a multi-attack with um, their greatsword, uh, which is a pretty powerful hit. So it's a melee weapon of plus 15 to hit with a reach of five feet. Um, slashing and it has slashing damage plus 27 sorry plus 6d8 of radiant damage so if you get hit by the sword it's gonna hurt sorry that that's two attacks i get to do with that yes that is 46 plus 68 um and and they get to do it twice again i'm looking at the empyrean going they get 66 and they get to do it once yeah so not only that, because you're thinking probably a reach of only five feet, that seems weird for a nine foot tall character. But at the end of the day, they have flying sword, where yeah. the solar releases its great sword to hover magically in an unoccupied space within five feet of it. So they don't have to hold their sword and they can actually utilize it without having to hold it, which I think is really cool. Um, so they can basically mentally command it as a bonus action to fly up 50 feet, um, either make one attack against a target or return to the solar's hands. Um, it basically stays hovering. It's not a concentration thing. It only falls if the angel falls. I like how his sword, the sword in in the monster manual, looks like the sword of omens from uh, Thundercats as well. <laughs> Just as a side observation. That's a throwback for anybody over the age of thirty. There you go. <laughs> hey, they've got the whole box set out now. That's true. I love it. Um, my personal favorite weapon of theirs is the slaying longbow. Um, and it's a ranged weapon attack, obviously, of plus 13 to hit, range of 150 feet or 600 feet um, with um, resistance. Um, and then it's a 2d8 plus 6 piercing damage plus 68 radiant damage, which honestly doesn't seem that strong, of course, in comparison to um, the great sword ish but the thing about this one is if the target of the creature has less than 100 hit points or fewer, it has to succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw or just die. Good God. And at 600 feet with disadvantage, that's insane, right? Because plus 13, like you're rolling that with disadvantage. Even if you roll like an eight, that's plus 13. 21 doesn't hit. Yeah. Right? Like shit. Yeah. It's, it's and, frightening. Man. Yeah. Imagine this is your big bad for your evil campaign. Right? So I was yeah. imagining, like, finding this weapon somewhere by accident. <laughs> or, like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. like, don't get me wrong, they don't have the Radiant or, like, but imagine the Paladin gets a hold of this and somehow they have the ability to use it appropriately. Like, yeah. that's scary. Right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's my favorite one. But otherwise, they are, of course, an angel, so they do have healing touch. So four times per day, uh, the solar touches another creature. The target magically regains... 8d8 plus 4 um, hit points and is freed from any curse, disease, poison, blindness, or deafness. So again, I do feel like these guys would come down as if it was a boon to, like, maybe your party is on a greater quest. Um, this is the angel you would send to keep them alive if they were in a big battle or a battle for their lives and your deities knew about it. This would probably be the one that they send to protect you. Well, nobody sent mind. anybody yeah. when I did Divine Intervention, so... Well, again, one whiny ASMR. Like, come on. <laughs> um, these guys do also have legendary actions. Um, so, I don't, sorry, Adam, you said that um, the other ones only got one legendary action? Or did or did they have the three? No, no, no. No, they only got one attack, right? Instead of multi-attack. Multi-attack, okay. They have three legendary actions, but um, 
but they're lackluster. Lackluster. These ones are pretty cool. So for a legendary action, these guys can teleport. Um, so the he can magically teleport along with any equipment it is carrying up to 120 feet to any unoccupied space it can see. So these guys not only are super fast on their wings, they can literally just bamf right in front of you if they felt like it. Um, they I feel like that makes them like the angels from Supernatural. Yeah. Which is kind of badass. Never seen it. Well, add it to no your list, No one is Jerry. surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's on, what is it on? It's on one of the streaming networks. I don't remember which one. No, it, re- it recently got pulled down because it, uh, well, by the time this airs, the series finale just would have hit. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Other legendary actions. Searing burst um, costs two actions. Uh, the solar emits magical divine energy. Each creature of its choice in a ten foot radius must succeed on a DC twenty three Dex saving throw, um, or take four d six fire damage plus four d six radiant damage on a failed save, or halved as much damage on a, a successful one. So that is a hard DC to save if you are. Almost any other character other than, you know, a dex-based character. Yeah. So... <laughs> After you've just taken two well, it annoys... great sword as well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it annoys me that, that rogues and monks can just shrug that off and say, no, it, it, it doesn't hit me. And they will take no damage from No, it's that. half damage. I feel... No, no, no. They've got evasion. Or oh, evasion, yeah, yeah. Those say. bitches. It, yeah. If, if you would take half damage, you take none instead. I feel like, like that oh would piss God. the solar off and be like, are you kidding me? I'm going to stab <laughs> here comes you with my a, sword. <laughs> here comes my flying sword at 50 feet around. Let me get my slaying longbow out. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, they also What's that? You have a D8 hit points? Yes. Come here. Yeah. Come here. I'm going to shoot Stand you. five feet closer. Thank you. Um, <laughs> they also have blinding gaze, uh, cost three actions. So the target, uh, one creature, it can see within 30 feet. So they do have to be pretty close. Uh, if the target can see it, the target must succeed on a DC 15, which is a little bit low saving throw, uh, or be blinded until mad, uh, be blinded until magic, such as the lesser restoration spell or removeness of blindness happens. So this is like, you are legitimately blinded, not like in two rounds, you can see again, you are blind. So good. <laughs> Good. Right? Lesser restoration removes the blindness. Fuck. Yeah, removes the blindness. <laughs> yeah, got, um, but... You just got a blind blaster walking around because obviously you do this on like the sorcerer or the wizard or something. Yeah, right? It, it, it does. Uh, I think you do this to the bard because you know if you touch it again, you'll go blind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tempting, isn't it? But it is weird that like the, the characters that would save on this are the ones that are going to be staring at him. Like your barbarians and your fighters, your high con characters, right? They're the ones that are going to be staring down the barrel of the gun if they were to approach one of these things. And they're the ones that would be able to save on this the easiest. That just seems a little bit weird to me. Well, and any spellcaster that has to maintain concentration on something against the the solar as well, right? Yeah. So if you're, cast, if you're casting a spell and you need to be looking at him, then he's going to hit you with this. And remember, it's a legendary action, so it's sneaky. He can do it on your fucking turn, yeah. too. I just feel like this is like... Um, a dra- I always make a Dragon Ball Z reference every once in a while. That TN's, like, solar flare. That's what I imagine. To be like, everybody needs to calm the fuck down. Like, pfft, everybody... No, you can't see, so stop fighting me, please. <laughs> We're going to talk right now. Everybody sit. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know anything about Dragon Ball Z, Megan, but... Also put it on your list. Okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sure. That one's a must. Is it really? Um, 
Uh, for me, yeah, in my life, I would say it's a must. Right. So, I've watched it several times in my existence as a human being. So, why not everybody else? Oh my god, how do, have you had time in your lifespan to watch it several times? Are there nine thousand episodes? Well, they made a version called Dragon Ball Kai where they cut out all the constipation noises. So, say so, the whole show is thirty-five seconds long. Basically, yeah, it, it cut it from <laughs> I think I think numbers legitimately are a hundred and thirty something episodes down to like ninety. That's craziness. Yeah, it's nuts. But yeah. Like, Although far more palatable. So Right? <laughs> but yeah, so those are Solars. That's pretty much all of them and their abilities. So um, what are you guys' thoughts? Do you know what? I never used to like them that much. And I'm actually, uh, I've actually been been turned around with them. Um, I think this would be a good big bad for an evil campaign. And they seem, even for CR21, they just seem ridiculously difficult to kill based on their abilities and there's going to be some environmental factors in there as well you're not just going to fight them in an open field like it's it's they seem very difficult they seem harder than some of the dragons yeah i'm just imagining yeah. you imagine your party standing there and you just see one of these walking towards you in the middle of a field <laughs> like you would shit your pants if anybody in your party knew what it was yeah like, <laughs> what about you adam i i i don't know i feel like i could kill one of these guys relatively easily by the time that i'm you know, tier four, every party I've seen is, uh, they just laugh off armor class 21, yeah. right? It's like, oh, does a plus 17 hit? Well, fuck off, <laughs> right? That's and true. then additionally, on top of that, their healing touch specifically says when they touch another Yeah, creature. I saw that, yeah. Right? So it, it, they can't do that to themselves, right? Touching themselves is just, it doesn't help. And so, <laughs> like, there's no... There's not <laughs> even a... Is that the a... name of your sex <laughs> It just doesn't help. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I, I like, there's not even a healing spell involved, right? All of the spells that they have listed, there's, there's nothing there. Again, they can commune with their god. They can control weather. They can turn invisible and run away. They can resurrect someone else, because, of course, if you're dead, you can't cast it upon yourself. So, I don't know, like, I feel like these guys are hefty, offensive creatures. You're going to have trouble knocking them down because they're busy knocking you down. But if you can, if you can get your level 19 barbarian to stand toe-to-toe with him and your paladin with the AC of 23, you may be okay, right? It's, it's the ranger and the rogue and the wizard. These guys are fucked. That slaying longbow is going to take down anybody with a D six or D eight. Yeah. Right. They're gonna they're gonna fly in. They're gonna fuck you up with the great sword. Couple of nasty legendary actions. You're blind. You've taken a bunch of radiant damage, and then he's gonna he's gonna go way back and just pick you off. Yeah. And that down you go. <laughs> and I, and I like the fact that he will straight up murder the entire party except let's say the cleric. Give a message to the cleric, then run around to resurrect everybody, heal them back, and say, our time here is done, I've sent my message, and then leave again. Yeah, message should be received, basically. I'm also imagining, like, your party standing in front of this thing, if you ever did have to fight it, and the wizard's just like, no, I know what bow that is. But he's holding a sword, which means he can't use his bow, so it's okay. And then his sword starts to float, and the wizard's like, shit. Just, just tapping, tapping the fighter on the shoulder, going, guys, 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 we gotta go. <laughs> we can't run fast enough. My dimension door can't even go far enough. That's only five hundred feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. 
I like I like the idea that he's got blade barrier too, because that that thematically fits with his flying sword, you know, moving around him. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like these guys are very well themed for their purpose. Like I feel like these ones are more structured to what they are supposed to be, and there was a, a rhyme and reason for what they have. Like I didn't feel overly confused with this one. So yeah. I find that its simplicity is very usable in a campaign, and I think that this one is my favorite out of the the few of them. Right. That's it for Solars. Solars. Solar. Solars. Solar. And on that radiant bombshell, let's go to a shout out. Hey guys, Megan here, wanting to kind of shout out myself. Uh, During the time of COVID-19 pandemic, instead of finding a new hobby, I actually decided to resurrect an old one and start drawing again just for fun. Uh, I started my own new art insta that you are more than welcome to follow. You'll find character art, just general doodles, and attempts to use new supplies and materials that I've never used before, so it's quite interesting. Uh, Feel free to give me a follow at Omega Art, so that's zero M-E-G-G-A-R-T. Should you already follow me at Omega, you can find the link within my bio. And thanks in advance for any support, uh, follows, and likes in the future, and uh, enjoy the show. And we're back, and I believe that's my turn. Yes. Yes, that's you. Take us away, Terry. All right, so, guys, I have planetars, and I have divas. And according to the internet, in multiple places, it is pronounced diva and not deva. I don't know if you guys want to have that argument another time. Yeah, you're right, Terry. It's diva. But I'm going to say diva because the internet told me to. My mind is blown. So, so I'll do I'll do divas first. So divas are angels that act as divine messengers or agents to the prime material plane, the Shadowfell, and the Feywild, and that can assume a form appropriate to the realm they are sent to. So legend tells of angels that take mortal form for yours, lending aid, hope, and courage to the good-hearted folk. A diva can take any shape, although it prefers to appear to mortals as an innocuous humanoid or animal. When circumstances require that it cast off its guise, a diva is a beautiful humanoid-like creature with silvery skin. Its hair and eyes gleam with an unearthly luster and large feathery wings unfurl from its shoulder blades. So, by the monster manual, I mean, it says the skin's silvery. It looks a little bit grey to me. I, I don't know what I think of the John Lennon haircut, but that's fine. Um, I believe I read somewhere as well that their clothing, if they're if they're destroyed, their, their clothing is just destroyed as well. Like, there's nothing left of them um, if they're destroyed. Um... They are medium celestial, so they're they're smaller than, than solars. Uh, they're lawful good, of course. Armor class is 17. Standard hit points is 136. Speed is 30 feet, flying 90 feet. So they can still fly faster than ancient dragons, I believe. I think their max flies 80 feet, if I remember rightly. Um, mm, I don't I don't think so. No? Let me look. Let me uh, look. I thought it was 80 feet, but... Okay. Uh, their lowest stat is 17, which is intelligence. Everything else is uh, 18 all the way up to 20 for their wisdom and their charisma. Uh, saving thrones are wisdom and charisma. Skills, insight, and perception. Their damage resistance is, of course, radiant, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Condition immunities, charmed, exhaustion, and frightened. Uh, senses, they have dark vision for 120 feet. Passive perception of 19. Passive perception 19 is pretty high, actually. Is that higher than the solar, if I remember rightly? Not at all. Yes. No, 24, I think. For <laughs> Yeah, it is 24 for the solar. I don't know yeah. why I thought that. Uh, languages, all, and telepathy for 120 feet. And challenge rating of 10. For the first, for the, just for the stats there, guys, and the flavor text I get, is there any initial thoughts you want to share before I move on? Uh, yeah, first of all, you're absolutely right. It's faster than ancient dragons. I, I think he was trying to speak to the flying speed. As it, I looked it up too. Most dragons are at 80. 
as okay. the highest in ancient form. Yeah. So they are definitely faster than dragons. Yeah. Sorry, was I breaking up again? A little bit, but just for us. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Not for everybody. Um, the other thing is, it's it's got a higher <laughs> passive perception than the Empyrean. Mm. Yeah, that's correct. Interesting. Oh. All right. Well, let's move on then. So, of course, they have angelic weapons as well. Uh, so the diva's weapon attacks are magical. So when the diva hits with any weapon, the weapon deals an extra forty-eight radiant damage. Uh, they have innate spell casting as well. So at will, they can detect good and evil. That seems to make sense. And and then once per day. They can do each commune and raise dead. Uh, magical resistance, so the diva has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. Not too much to talk about here compared to the Solar uh, and the Empyrean, but is there anything you guys want to want to talk about with regards to their, their spell casting? Is, do you feel like they're a little underpowered, or is this a good sort of medium-level angel? I just wanted to say that I find the imagery hilarious that the only reason they have raised dead is because they haven't delivered their message to that person yet. So they just bring it back to life to tell it its message and then they kill it again. <laughs> just to fulfill its goal. <laughs> I love that. They are kind of, angels do see, because they're so lawful, they are kind of robotic in that way. It kind of yeah. makes sense. It's, as no my instructions were to give you this message and uh, now you've received it. However, the universe wants you dead and so I must kill you again. Yeah, so sorry about it, bro, but I have to do this. Like, it's it's in the contract. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so actions. Uh, they get a multi-attack, so the diva makes two melee attacks. So they have a, they have a mace. Um, so standard damage is, uh, is 1d6 plus 4 bludgeoning damage, uh, plus 48 of radiant damage. They get a healing touch as well. They get it three times per day, 4d8 plus 2 um for, for healing and they get to change shape so the diva magically polymorphs into any humanoid or beast that has a challenge rating equal to or less than its own i think that's pretty fair i think especially for beasts i think you you, you got a wide array of beasts that are cr10 and lower um and you know it seems to make sense with them with them blending into society uh, anything about their actions there guys <laughs> Yes, I got a couple sure. thoughts. First of all, the artwork for this mace looks fucking badass. Yes, I love it. I like a good mace, and, actually. And I feel like it should do way more than 1d6. That's a 2d8 mace if I've ever seen one. Like, yeah, fuck it off. Is. That thing is going to crush a skull in. Anyway, my no, the thing that I want to point out is its chain shape is not polymorph. This thing gets all of its game stats mm -hmm. when it's changed its shape. Yeah. The, the thing about the Deva that I like is that it is going to turn into whatever... It looks like, but it's almost like an illusion, although it literally changes shape. It still has all of the things that it can do, uh, but its uh, AC, movement mode, strength, dex, and special senses are replaced by those of the new form, which means that you'll see the hit points aren't. There's no additional hit points. It's not like it turns itself into a frog, and the frog's got two hit points, and you kill the frog, and it turns back into a David. No, it still has uh, 16 D8 plus 64 hit points as a fucking frog. And when it dies, it just turns into a dead freaking angel, right? Like, I think that that's really fun. So, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way for someone to be like, oh. Like, I think, it's, is it the investigator or the mastermind? One of the rogue uh, subclasses can just innately know when something is not in its true shape. Mm. Maybe it's the transmutation wizard. I can't remember now. The investigator rogue out of Xanathar's Adam. Come on, man. I played one for three years. But, but you can just innately know this. And I love the idea of going, oh, that frog isn't actually a frog. But you don't know what it is. So the rogue goes over and boots it across the room, thinking it's going to turn into a hobgoblin or something. And it just hits the wall and keeps on trucking. Yeah. 
I love the it idea. Breaks of, the wall. The the the, the, the <laughs> yeah. paladin or the the paladin or the war cleric that's getting a little bit too PTSD, just down on one knee, talking to a frog, saying "Yes, my lord," and the rest of the party kind of sees it. <laughs> And it's like, it's too much. It's too much. We can't keep throwing him in the fray like this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also like the idea that he has the ability to speak as a frog, but he's also telepathic. So he's only sending the message to one person to be like, yes, <laughs> yes, I am, I am an angel of the Lord. Yeah. And everyone else just hears, ribbit. It's hilarious. Um, this would have been... been, sorry, go on, Megan. Well, I was just going to say, like, I also, the first thing I thought of and popped into my head when I started reading about these guys was literally the caricature version of Hermes from Hercules. Right. <laughs> it's basically just like, basically a bard angel that just sings his messages on a regular basis. So I can imagine this being the most annoying, like, sentient being, like, deva in the world, just that sings everything that it messages you, just out of, because it wants to be a singer for its life. So. Yeah, I think you're right there. What you what you touched on there, Megan, is it seems like you can give the diva a little bit more personality. Like it's not going to be as stone faced. You could have it kind of quirky, or you know, you could. Yeah, I, I like that. Or even just really indifferent, or just absolutely sick of humans, and just yeah. they just have to deliver the message. Like, look, don't expect. Yeah, I'm I'm an angel. I'm lawful good, but don't expect me to be polite. That's the way I yeah. see this. Like, yeah. don't, don't think that this is some kind of divine intervention. I'm just here to give you a message. No, I can't help you fight in this battle. Have you seen the size of my body? Sorry, yeah. I'm out. Like... Yeah. You are all useless and your entire race will inevitably die. However, as you haven't killed yourselves yet, I must deliver this message to you. <laughs> and hopefully you will never see me again. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, that was a quick one. So final thoughts before we move on. I have one more for you guys. I, I think that the Deva is probably the most popular of all of them. Not only just because of its CR. You know, you can have it come in even for a tier one party and interact with them. And you can murder it relatively easily by a big bad evil guy. But also the idea that it can change shape. The idea that it's passing messages. That it's got this healing touch. This does feel like a... Like there's some sort of agency or some identity to it beyond just the the emotional whim of the Empyrean or the the battle hardened tactics of and judge of the Solar. You, uh, David can be a real character. Yeah, yeah. I think that they're mo the most digestible. I guess is what it comes down to, right? Do you think there may even be parts of mortal society that they enjoy, but like silly things that like okay, well if I'm here. I want to go and eat a hundred donuts or something or whatever. It'll I be. feel, I feel like if I played into like my caricature of Hermes, that he would just like going to bars and listening to bards tell their stories. Yeah. Like he just wants to know about the world. Like, yeah. cause all he, all he gets to do is go back and forth and send messages. Right. He doesn't actually get to learn anything special. Yeah. So he would be interested in actually figuring out why he's delivering this message or just going to the local bar waiting for the people to arrive. But he's sitting there just freaking like snapping his fingers to whatever song is playing. Right. Like, or, or <laughs> correcting all of the barge stories because he was there. He met that person. Yeah. It was like 300 years ago. Or something. <laughs> it wasn't like that. He didn't look like that. That guy was an asshole. Yeah. Don't mean to stop you there, but I want to correct what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. So. And while we're on it, Socrates doesn't tip, but whatever. It's totally fine. Yeah. Well, actually. Just... <laughs> no, I, I feel like, yeah, yes, you guys are absolutely right. And I think that these guys are going to be more interactive with the everyday person yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. 
right? Does that, like, that tracks, right? The other guys are, well, I think the Empyrean probably wants to just talk to squirrels all day. I can't get the Disney princess thing out of my head. I know, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm like, ruin, I ruin something for somebody in every episode, and I feel like that that is the one for today. Welcome. <laughs> okay, all right. So so here's my here's my thing about, about Adeva. Um, or about angels in general. So first of all, you know they're all lawful good, right? All of the angels. The Empyrean isn't because it's just a celestial. It's chaotic good. But the angels are lawful good. But they're all in service of a god. The god, however, does not have to be lawful good. It can be chaotic good. So you can have a deva who is lawful and good and follows to a T the words of a trickster god. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting and hilarious to have the literal translation of a trickster god, right, passed through through a through a deva. Yeah. Or Maybe maybe a nature god and the devas they come down and they're passing the message on the message just be free and love each other man, uh, and they've got a they've got a commune full of hippies playing the bongos. I love the, I love that and that I I like the way you touched on different gods. That I was talking to um I was talking to Jackie Rackham the other day and we were talking initially I was giving her an idea of a, a bard character I had and it came around to actually being a paladin that's sworn off to a, the goddess of love, and uh, I like this here as well because you could kind of do it with this with the deva as well that that kind of thing you're really leaning in to whatever the god's ideals are so if you have that bard or that rogue that's that's playing tricks and it's like should i tell her how i feel you you absolutely should take her these she's gonna love it trust me in two thousand years i've never seen it fail like and i think just leaning right into it whether it be the trickster god god of love whatever it is um i think you can get a little bit extreme with it because of course they would be extreme in whatever their god's ideals are and because they're going to change shape, they can look like anybody and do anything as yeah. well, right? So, I, I, and they've got the stats to back it up. Their stats are through the fucking roof for a CR team. Yeah. Right? 18, 18, 18, 17, 20, 20. That's crazy. So, like, yeah. these guys can do just about anything. And I think there's just so much fun role-playing opportunity. I would have these guys... You know how everybody has like an imp or a doppelganger or a succubus or a hag, all the shape-changing stuff that's, that goes on that's just dicking around in the background and you're just always running into like, we can't trust an NPC because it's probably this guy. Why are we not doing that with a deva who has yeah. just a weird quirk about their very specific god? You're right. So, yeah. I, anyway, that, that was me. I like that. I wish the other guys could change shape. That would make it more interesting. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the final one that I'm also covering Planetar um, for the last of the Celestials on the episode. So Planetars act as the weapons of the gods they serve, presenting a tangible representation of their deity's might. A Planetar can call down rain to relieve a drought or can loose uh, an insect plague to devour crops. Planetar's celestial ears detect every falsehood and his radiant eyes see through every deception. Planetars are muscular and hairless and have opalescent green skin and white feathered wings. They tower over most humanoids, brandishing immense swords with grace, sometimes sent to aid powerful mortals on important tasks for good. Planetars are especially fond of missions that involve battling fiends. From the flavor text, how do you, what do you imagine with these guys? I imagine they look like Dr. Manhattan from That's the That's exactly what I was thinking. As I, I was staring I didn't want to be the, the one to say it. <laughs> I know. I didn't want to be either, yeah. but I think we all knew somebody had to. Yeah. But I kind of feel like they would act like, like that as well. Yeah, that level of being removed right, as well. Right, that's it. Also, 
I just there's no rhyme or reason for for the blue skin. I I don't I, I don't get it. Or sorry, green skin. According to this, I keep looking at the picture and maybe it's I'm like a turquoise. Blue yeah. It is like blind. a turquoise. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the but reason is for that. Just, is it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I think it's a holdover. Like I think I said it earlier, that it's a holdover from previous editions where they had archons and cherubs and other things as well. And I don't know what lore they were getting it from, what books, if it was you know Paradise Lost or whatever it is. But there were definitely these different kinds of. There's there was a celestial, there was an angel that looked like a like a humanoid terrier, right? Like there are different kinds of of um, angels in old editions. And we just don't have any of that yeah. shit here. And I think that this guy was one of the more popular ones, so he came over. And he's got this fucking Mr. Clean fell in the fucking <laughs> food coloring. Right? Like Yeah. But I do I imagine know. that remove uh, personality so far that like I feel like they would just appear behind them when they're about to go into battle. And they'd be like, Oh my god, what are you doing here? And then they'll be like, I'm just here to help you. And they're like, But why? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just here to help you. Are you fighting that guy? Saying- yeah. Are you fighting that? Yes, you're fighting that. Cool. I'm. I'm here to help you. <laughs> Just being brutally honest as well, because they don't. It's almost like they probably don't really care whether you live or die. Just as long as the overall mission is completed. Just are we going to win? Oh, we will undoubtedly lose. But I will leave if it looks like I'm well, going to die. Hold up. Hold on, let, let me flip this on its head for just a second, because I'm looking for what words are missing out of this description, and it doesn't say that it cares. Yeah. About deception. It says that it knows it, it hears lies, it can detect lies, and it can see through deceptions. And however, it it, it may not care. It like you may lie to it, and it looks at you and says, "Yeah, okay." What if this guy absolutely loves lies, and he thinks that they're jokes? It just starts laughing randomly. Right? <laughs> yeah, Delightful. yeah. The, the 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 rogue steps forward, and says, "I'm the most dangerous man in this tavern," right, and and tries to intimidate him and. And, and the the planetar just laughs, yeah. just like laughs uproariously, <laughs> right? I really like the idea of there being this, this. I mean, yes, because he looks like Doctor Manhattan, he seems like he would be detached. But I love the idea of him coming in and and he knows he knows better, and he's here to help. But we're just gonna get weird with yeah. it. Like we're gonna get we're gonna laugh. It's gonna be funny. He's gonna be telling knock knock jokes as he's cutting people's heads off. <laughs> Right, like there's nothing in it that says he's got to be that serious, yeah. yeah. And yet we we really think he should be, and the solar really feels like he should be. But I I don't know. It's it's because of the artwork, right? Yeah. It really tells you, it gives you an idea of who this guy should be based on what artists, um, you know, perception of it. But but people should uh, should kind of open their options up a little yeah. bit. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's hit some stats in that. Um, so, large celestial, lawful good, of course. Armor class of 19 with their natural armor. Their standard hit points are 200 or 16 D10 plus 112 if you want to roll your own. Uh, standard speed of 40 feet. Their flying speed is 120 feet. They're pretty beefy in their stats as well. So, strength 24, for example, dex 20, con 24, intelligence 19, wisdom's 22, and their charisma is 25. Uh, saving throws are Constitution, Wisdom, and Charisma. Skills are Perception, just Perception at plus 11. Damage resistances, of course, we've got Radiant, Bludgeoning, Piercing, and Slashing from non-magical attacks, same as the others. Condition immunities, Charmed, Exhaustion, Frightened. Uh, senses, they have True Sight for 120 feet. Their Passive Perception is 21. Languages, of course, is All and Telepathy for 120. And their Challenge Rating is 16. What do you think for this? I, I always wonder where they get their fucking 
game design from i love the fly speed that's crazy but i wonder about the game design charisma is 25 it has a plus seven it doesn't really have the spellcasting ability is charisma but spell save dc is 20 so they they override it and then and then the charisma saving throw is plus 12 instead of plus seven so i guess you, you only care for if it tries to well it's perception is plus 11 Right, so like, what skills are you using with this guy? Insight, is that the bonus we're going with for this guy? Yeah, I, but he knows if he hears a lie. I, I just, it's just weird. I don't know. I don't know where the game design. Here's comes the thing from. with charisma. I sometimes have an issue with is the charisma is high, and I imagine it's because they're very intimidating. Right, they're intimidating to, to look at. They would be intimidating to be with, but because their charisma is so high, it also means they're very persuasive, and it's like that. That part doesn't seem to fit. Because they, I imagine them to be very robotic in their nature, very neutral in their in in their expression and their in their words, um, but that's the thing with charisma, right? If it's high, you're you're intimidating, but you're also persuasive for some reason, or vice versa. Yeah, I think it's just. I, I look at. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I just look at charisma as as being your force of will, right. and so that kind of stacks up a little bit better. Will, traditionally speaking, was wisdom based in previous editions. But I, I think about it like your your level of personality, your level of character. Yeah. Right? And that's that's your charisma. How well you interact with other people and how well you can impose your will upon them. Yeah, necessary. and in that sense, you can you can imagine him as having like a sort of like a cool, calm command. He, he's very Picard, not just because he's bald. But, you know, in, in how he speaks and approaches situations, I can kind of see him as a little bit, a little bit Captain Picard. So it's... It's also because he's dead sexy without that shirt on. <laughs> oh, baby. And, <laughs> like Sir Patrick Stewart, apparently doesn't age. So, there we go. Right? It's been the <laughs> same age that. since 1987. All right, let's move on then. So, of course, the Planetar has angelic weapons as well. They get to deal an extra 5d8 radiant damage uh, to their attacks. Um, they have divine awareness, so the Planetar knows if it hears a lie. The innate spellcasting consists of, um, at will, detect evil and good. Uh, an invisibility, but just their self. At will, they can turn invisible. I, lo- I love that. Um, and three per day each for a blade barrier, dispel evil and good, flame strike and raise dead, and then one per day each of commune, control weather, and insect plague, and their magic resistance. The planetar has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. I mean, that's pretty beefy. Yeah, it, it feels like solar light. Yeah. And I, I don't mind that. I just think that's a common characteristic among the angels. It's just, again, we're not getting a whole lot of variety here, so I'm trying to find what else we can get. Yeah. The insect plague. The insect plague is fun. Flame strike is good. I would like there to be some, well, I'm going to bitch in a minute here when you get to actions, but I would really like them to have some sort of ranged thing that they can yeah. do. A signature ranged move. Because they're supposed to be the weapons of gods. Yeah. But I guess they're really just the swords of gods. But this is kind of why it, it plays into my theory from the beginning, is that these feel like like the, the Wormling and the for, up all the way up to Ancient for the variety of angels you can get. There's not too much of a difference between all of them, other than they feel like they're growing up and getting added abilities. I kind so, of feel like... The, that, speaking to- honestly, that is my complaint about the Monster Manual in 5th edition. There's not enough flavor to the monsters. We get stats and we get a basic breakdown of what, but not why or how. And we've complained more than once on the Dragon episodes about how we feel like they should just get more and more shit and be a bigger and better presence. And but the difference between angel or between ancient and adult 
is numerical. And that just, I don't know. I think you're right, Megan. I think this is just more of the same. Although, I, I feel know, like apparently at some point they just grow hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or lose their well, hair. Well, they love it. The and they grow the, it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they grow it again, yeah. And I feel like the it's angels. Molting. That's what it especially is. Especially between the David, the Planetar, and the Solar, I think it fits with all of them. I don't understand why they can't, you know, for something ranged, why can't they cast Guiding Bolt? That seems to fit right in with what they are, just because, Adam, you made the comment there on the Planetar not having anything ranged. Um, why not Guiding Bolt? That seems to make sense for me. But I also yeah. think it like Another one would... toys with the idea that they're not necessarily supposed to fight, right? These are the ones that do just, they're kind of like when we talk about the dragons and how their abilities are to stop and escape or cease the action so we can speak, right? And I feel like that's why their charisma is so high and that they don't have all of these abilities to defend or be offensive. They're just more, yeah. stop what you're doing, we need to talk because technically I am just a messenger. And then the planetar is, sorry guys, please stop. I am technically just a messenger. I just have some stronger abilities. And then the Solar's like, you know what? The message was sent. You didn't get it. So I'm here to kill you all. Right? Like that's, <laughs> it just seems like a tier of power is, is when you see them. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and we're clearly missing things. I mean, okay. Yes. Terry, the guiding bolt thing. You've sparked my imagination a little bit. Do you not think they should have fucking sacred flame yeah, exactly. or goddamn light? Why can none of them cast light? Yeah. Is that not... Yeah, fuck. All right. Now I'm mad. Now I'm just mad. Oh, I'm just angry now. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to point out they don't have dark vision, but I guess they have true sight, right? So True sight, most yeah. of them, yeah. Yeah. I think all of them have true sight. Yeah, they, they do. They do. Yeah. Oh, okay, let's hit their actions then. So they get a multi-attack. They get two melee attacks and their great sword. Um, standard damage is 21 or 4d6 plus 7. Don't forget you get to add the angelic weapons uh, damage on top of that as well. Uh, so they get two attacks with their melee attacks. They also have a healing touch, 4 per day. Um, the uh, target magically regains 30 hit points or 68 plus 3. Does that... See, now you got me thinking here, Adam, when you said about range. That feels a little bit weak for me as well for a CR 16. Or just not weak, but just not a whole lot of options. You're, 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 Pretty you're, much. You're Although oh, you, you have a it. ton of spells, you have a ton of spells too. Remember yeah, I that, guess you right? But, but again, it's like you can detect evil and good, or you can dispel evil and good. I feel like he's there to, as a uh, guide for the party in in tier yeah. four. The same way that I feel like the the deva is is a guide in late tier two, early tier yeah. three. And the solar is the judgment that's passed in tier four. And like, they all have a very straightforward and simple, obvious role to play because they're not, they're not beefy. They're not toothy. They're, you're not getting anything out of them. Yeah. And, and that's it for planetars. I don't know if you guys have any interesting ways you, you might play these because just because they seem very Dr. Manhattan like, and I'm looking at the artwork and reading the flavor text and it feels hard to break out of that. I don't know if you guys have any interesting ideas on how we might do that. <laughs> Sorry, you were cutting up, so I'm just I'm just going to go ahead and answer that myself. But I kind of thought of these guys as being more... Uh, if you wanted to put a bounty hunter for the gods in your game, I feel like I would use these guys. Um, because they're not overly scary. You're not using your war general, but you're not necessarily using your messenger who doesn't want to fight. You send the planetars to go and kill that one thing that's causing a ruckus while your other angels are fighting wars for you. Did you did you call them Did I hear you say that they were like bounty hunters? Yes. So sorry. So long and short of that idea was that you aren't going to send your messenger to kill one person. You aren't going to send your 
uh, the general of your army to go kill one person or to go give a message to someone that needs a hard slap across the face. This is yeah. the one that you send to send a direct message to one person with a little bit more force than just your joking, laughing bard of an angel who just comes in to say the message and leave. This is the one that says it with force. Yeah. Um, and that's why they have the ability to, um, you know, the, the insect infest, all that kind of stuff. Like they're meant to put fear into people. Yeah. So I feel like mm -hmm. this is what their role would play in like the hierarchy is they would be the bounty hunter. I like that. I also like the idea of they're like your tier four and high mages have been dying and you can't kind of figure out why. And, and angels are behind it and you know, they are. And, but they're so fast. You can't, you can't, you know, slow them down or, or catch them or anything. And then finally you get a little hint. You know who the next target's going to be. You get to their house, you open up the door. The person is dead, splayed out, rib cage ripped open. And three of these guys slowly turn and look at you roll initiative like you're fucked yeah. these these guys are scary especially keep in mind that we only talk about them if as if there's one of them there are many and at this high tier like cr16 a cr20 party is going to have real issue knocking two or three of these guys down yeah these aren't like your solars where there's only 24 of them right that you can have an army of these if you felt like it so. Yeah, and they're going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the forces of the Nine Hells or the Abyss. And that's it. Well, we're kind of coming to the end of it here, guys. I know we were just touching on Planetars there, and I asked for your for your thoughts, but do you guys have any final thoughts you'd like to share with everybody on Celestials as a whole before we wrap it up? Yes, I, I, I've got one. It's very, very, very straightforward and simple to make these guys essentially robots. And we've talked about it kind of off and on the yeah. whole time where they're lawful stupid. They have one role, they do the role, they commit their mission, their programming is done, they go home, right? The Empyrean's a little bit different, is kind of a force of nature and, and is driven by its emotions. But again, it's almost childlike. There's not a whole lot to, to play with here. So what I would like to point out is think about what it's like. We talk about fallen angels because you think about what it would be like on the upper planes where everything is good all of the time. And when they come down to the prime material plane, even to deliver a message for a moment and they discover whiskey for the first time <laughs> or, or like er, every look, there are everyone up in the heavens is beautiful and, and, and attractive and pleasing to the eye and gorgeous. But nobody wears a dress like that. Holy shit. <laughs> right? Like, there's got to be that level of prime material temptation that we then just take for granted. Right? Like like the planetar that comes down to, to complete his mission, but ends up eating chocolate. <laughs> and just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody back up a minute. This is why fat people exist. <laughs> right? Like, I get it now. <laughs> Right, and I think that there's got to be that that fish out of water, and that's where a lot of your flavor is going to be. Maybe these guys are such blank slates because it depends on what the DM has them interact with, because that's going to be the thing that they that they or that um, uh, really gives you an idea of what their personality is going to be. They're learning, and I mean, I get that with the Empyrean because they're a child, but I think even with the robots, they are learning their personality as you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm now imagining like a Solar, but like Fat Thor. Like I was, Megan, I was just <laughs> thinking that. 
you guys have both snatched an idea from my brain today. Um, yeah. That well, Megan, that was your second one. Uh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, I love it. Yeah, no, I think at the end of the day, the only way to really be creative with these guys, they are so simple and so like bluntly written to the point where you almost have to use creative freedom to give them some kind of a character. So if you're going to put one of these in your campaign, I would definitely think to your point, Adam, who their deity is, what their relationship with their deity is. Do they like their deity or are they just doing it out of duty or like what is their drive, right? Does it actually come from the fact that they truly believe in what they're doing or are they just doing it because they were like basically willed into existence to do what they're supposed to be doing? So, and then that would give you the reaction. Like, those are the ones that probably do go down to earth and eat that piece of chocolate because they're just like, well, I'm just doing this because I was told to. I don't really want to. So I'm going to try this piece of chocolate today, right? Whereas you might have those ones that are more hard and fast on their goal and are that straight and narrowed faced ones that aren't going to be tempted by that. In fact, will come down and start making fun of the goblins because they're so ugly, right? (laughs) They would come down and be like, oh my God, what is that? And why is it near me? Like, can you just get it away? Right? Like, that's that's how you can give it a personality. Right? You guys have got me so. thinking here of what everybody that, that I know is like whenever you get to go away on a work trip. It's like you're just waiting for the conference to be over so you can just go off and do your own thing. Right. The yeah. heads are chopped off the heathens. I'm going to go and visit the chocolate shop I visit every time I'm in town. <laughs> Oh my god, and can you imagine, like, these angels that, that don't even, like, get to see each other, they're always at yeah. war, they're always off giving messages and whatnot, and then, like, four or five of them come together, it would be, <laughs> like, like when everybody flies in for a convention, and you just know they're gonna get behind closed doors, and that just turns into a drunken yeah. orgy. Right? Oh, absolutely. Like, everybody just the most is giving beautiful people advice. you've ever seen. <laughs> Why would you not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, and weird things, too, like... Like, do you guys know how good it feels to sneeze? Here, smell this pepper. And they'll just sit around sneezing nobody's, for the yeah, next hour. Nobody's doing coke off the bar top. Everybody's just doing pepper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. All right. Okay. Well, on that bombshell, that's it for this week's episode on Celestials. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure you check us out next week when we're covering our two-part series on condition effects. You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Okay, so what I want to ask you guys, in the theme of Celestials, would you prefer to die and discover that your loved ones had been constantly watching you over the course of your life or would you prefer to die and find out that nobody was ever watching you can we roll initiative on this sure let's go for it three two one fourteen six six all right megan i I would like to find out that nobody has watched me (laughs) why is that megan a little bit not because of anything terrible that i've done but i would overthink everything that i did if that like, and it, I would spend my afterlife wondering what I did in my life that people would judge me on. Like I am already so self-conscious about my own living being right now. I can't imagine dying and finding out that everybody was watching me. 
And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I have probably a thousand things to apologize for. So let me just get my book out and I'll start writing these down. And in a century or millennia, I'll get back to you with my apology list. Okay, bye. <laughs> Especially because generation by generation, as time goes on, we're kind of getting more taboo i suppose it's not even taboo anymore like, i don't know man have now. you met greek people that's the ancient point, the ancient greeks were pretty fucking taboo about the romans shit. yeah i guess okay they got really bad then we took a lull for a little bit and then well, well i don't know i'm from the uk everybody was uptight for the longest time there and then uh yeah and then we see the way it's going now so okay nice yeah. guilty conscience i see um i'm going to say that uh, as a power move for the exact same reason, like guilty conscience, right? My first thought, you ask a question and I'm like, I know I peed in the pool when I was like seven years old, <laughs> right? Like that there is shit that I've done that I've just like, like, you know, when, when you're, when you're sitting there, pants around your ankles, just like giving her your all, it's a bad day. And you're just like, Oh my God. To think that there are people watching you is horrifying, <laughs> but as a power move, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to know it. I and know I want to, which... I want to. I, I don't know which look. ankle pants activity you were talking about. <laughs> I just imagine them all. So <laughs> at, just at once, like goddamn. So no, 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 no. Power move. I want them. I want them to watch. I'm looking at them. That's right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Terry, what's your answer? Oh, uh, I mean, like, my life's not that bad compared to some people. But I mean, like, Adam, you kind of swayed me there, to be honest. Like, when you said, yeah, like, the Greeks were really bad. Now I don't feel so bad about it. They'll be like, yeah, well, we saw you do this. And I'll be like, yeah, well, you lot, you know, were a lot worse than me. So I don't feel too bad about it. And at least now you're all here and we can watch the next people together. And then I'll sit and I'll watch my children. Well, and you have to keep in mind, too, that my assumption here is that in the afterlife, there's like a heaven and a hell or, you know, a version of it. So the people in hell are busy being tortured. They're not watching. The people in heaven are sitting there going, oh, my word, what what are they doing? Right. So it's like all the pure people are watching. You got to give them an, you got to give them an education. That's yeah. what I'm saying. My thing was like, I love the gossip. So if this question was reversed and if they asked me, would you want to watch the entire life of somebody that you knew or did not know? I would be like, yes, please get me some popcorn Get me a beverage. This is going to be great. I will sit here for the rest of my life and enjoy this reality TV for Shersies. So <laughs> there'll be so many, so many I knew it moments as you're seeing like behind the curtain exactly, of other people's right? lives. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I I feel like that's what you would say originally, and then you would go. There would be a lot of ew, <laughs> a lot, <laughs> like a lot. Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> <laughs>